0: Welcome, travelers. I'm Josh. I'm Glenn. And I'm Lee Wanika, and this is Tabletop Journeys, where we will be your humble guides on the quest to RPG adventures.
1: Welcome everybody to our next field trip. I've been looking forward to this one. We've had this one on the books for a while here, and I see my co-host Levanika there, repping his Superman shirt, very theme appropriate for uh, for today's field trip. Oh yeah, Mister oh, Myers, wow, Mister Miller, how are things on. down I in have yeah, a great on. state when you flex, Levanika? We can't see you because we're on audio. You know that, right? You figured I do that one know out? That. Okay.
0: This is how I get into character. I'm flexing for the character. <laughs> Excellent.
1: I love it. How are you folks doing today? Doing
0: great. Doing great. I'm excited as everybody who's listened to this podcast knows i'm all about supers and superheroes so i'm very excited to jump into an actual play in one of my favorite genres that i don't actually get to role play at a table often i know we spoke about a couple months back maybe it was even longer a year ago or so where we talked about the need to do some gaming at some point in the future uh, we hadn't gotten around to it and here we are with a brand new game and i'm very excited to get to give it a go, especially because it is based on Power by the Apocalypse, which has become one of my fast favorites. If I want to go to try a new system, I love when they're
1: powered by the Apocalypse. It's yeah. a great system, very narrative. Absolutely, I agree on all of those fronts. That's fantastic. How about you, Mr. Myers? How are you today?
2: Doing great. Looking forward to it. Had a good time yesterday playtesting a LARP here in Connecticut called Anomaly, and then today I get to. Sit down and play some more. So it's shaping up to be a fantastic weekend. I'm looking forward to uh, digging in here.
1: Yeah, I had the excitement of going to the dump this morning. That was, that was uh, how my fun Sunday started here, thinking, so far you are the winner, Glenn. I think that's uh, without without too much competition here. All right, without any further ado, let us go ahead and introduce today's guest. So on air today, we have got Kyle from Five Points Games, and we are going to be running through their new Powered by the Apocalypse build, as Luanika said, masks the worst generation. So Kyle, welcome to Tabletop Journeys. How are you doing today?
3: I'm doing great. Thank you. It's uh, pretty early for me, but I'm happy to get started. (laughs) I've been sipping away at a Dr. Pepper, so I've got some caffeine in me and I'm ready to take it away.
1: Actually, yeah, yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, you getting up early on a Sunday to oh. go ahead and game with us three schmoes. So that's I uh, oh, appreciate it, that very. I'm
3: nice. very happy to. Haven't really done a lot of actual plays before. A little nervous, but I'm sure it'll go yeah. go perfectly. Really
1: oh, you will be fabulous. Just, just do your thing. We'll make you sound fantastic on the other side. Don't worry about that too much. So, so so, just so we can let everyone know what we're going to be doing here. What is Masks the Worst Generation? Explain to us the build. Explain to us the game.
3: So Masks the Worst Generation is a third party supplement for Masks the New Generation, which was made by Magpie. We are. Not endorsed for not official, but Mag- Magpie has been pretty cool about letting us do our thing. And I know Alunica said that they were really big into superhero stuff. I actually have not read a DC or, or Marvel comic before, which probably seems a little strange, considering you know, I'm such a fan of, of masks that I obviously made a third-party supplement myself and my friend Sam. But I grew up reading manga. I grew up in a pretty... Diversified city in Ohio. Got into really a lot of the early stuff. Kira, all that sort of stuff. Mass is very Western comic focused, so I wanted to bring manga, manhwa, that sort of focus into the mask sphere. We started playing on play by post games when the beta came out, and over time I started creating my own city instead of the Halcyon city, which is where the base game is kind of like metropolis or gotham so very pan-asian influences a lot of the manga influences and a couple years went by started doing some homebrew because that's what i do any system that i work in 3.5 i played way a lot back in the day i always tinker with the rules it helps me learn and gm better and a couple of my players were like oh we, we really like these playbooks but they don't really hit the themes that we want since you're already doing some homebrew, would you write some playbooks for us to run in the next game? So we did one about every year. Our current one has actually been going for three years. So going strong. And eventually I had a whole setting and a bunch of playbooks and a bunch of custom moves and a bunch of obviously custom NPCs for the setting. And my friend who's a graphic designer that I've known for 12 or longer than that now, man, almost, almost 20 years at this point, I said, hey, but why don't we just make a book? Why don't we just do this? And that kind of got the ball rolling. Um, we reached out to Magpie Games, and they were all pretty chill with it. Basically, told us what we could and couldn't put in the book, which wasn't very much because it's under Creative Commons attribution. And they've been pretty, pretty chill the whole way through. Awesome. awesome
1: so why the worst generation that's been one question that's been floating in my mind. so what, where do you think like the structural difference between this game and, and masks the next generation so
3: the worst generation is a reference to one piece it's my favorite manga I've been reading mm. it since 1998 um, so even before the official translation was out in the US because I knew some people growing up nice. that could <laughs> translate and get their hands on jap uh, on shut and jump and it's a, the worst generation in, in, in one piece is a reference to the top 10 pirate crews above a certain bounty. And I thought it was just a good juxt- juxtaposition between the new generation yeah. in the game. They have the gold generation, the silver generation, the bronze generation. Stratify that the time periods, obviously the gold generation is like gold age, goes to the gold age of comics, silver age of comics, bronze yeah. age of comics. So in, yeah. in the same kind of timeline. And then the new generation is the teen heroes because mess is based on young justice, um, Teen Titans that that sort of thing which I grew up watching the Teen Titans com- cartoon but never read it like I said never read a comic of it and all of my friends and all the people who play with us have really loved young justice. I get a lot of cultural uh, osmosis through them and so I thought it was a good homage to the manga inspirations of, of the setting to, to use that name. What makes it different is in in masks you're generally not supposed to be on the outs with society. And I bring a lot of the politics that I believe in the games, I think most of us do. And I think youth disenfranchisement and structural power in society, especially in the older generations, blocking out younger generations, has always been a theme of mine. So in, in San Francisco, which is where the city takes place, a reference to like San Francisco from, Tokyo from Big Hero 6 and, and all that, you're, you're on the outs. The worst generation is a, a label that the powers that be put on teen heroes who don't conform to... The power structure. You're rabble rousers. you and you you may not even be trying to be rabble rousers or troublemakers, but just because you pose a yeah. threat to the established order, you're marked. You you may not be hunted. You may you're not illegal. You're causing problems for people that. You probably shouldn't be causing problems with, even just by you yeah. being out there inviting crime.
1: All three of us have had teenagers, and so I think that we can totally appreciate reference there. And spoiler alert, so when we get together on Thursday to go ahead and record the actual interview with you about your game, that question's going to come up again. So that's a fantastic answer. So just Thank commit you. that one to memory, and, and oh, yeah. we'll, we'll make sure to throw you that softball uh, in a couple of days here. Cool. Yeah. But
3: good, to know, <laughs> good, good to know that,
0: that yeah. pitch is coming. Yeah, yeah We're, big, we're <laughs> big on precognition here.
1: <laughs> exactly right. I don't know. I think we're ready to go ahead and turn it over to you. So we're going to start with character generation. But before we do, gentlemen, any other questions? Anything else that we need to go ahead and clarify before we uh, before we go along here?
0: No, I think though my questions cool. will all be handled during the, uh, during the generation, yeah. and uh, later on, I'm going to save my questions for for the interview. For the as far yeah. as yeah. the game yeah. the game generation, I've got some good yeah. ones <laughs> for you. But um, <laughs> excellent. I'm, I'm, I'm going go to hold this to the
3: AP.
1: Right. <laughs> All right, then okay. then Kyle, I guess the microphone is yours and we're ready to get started.
3: So, character creation is pretty slick. So, first, what we do is we talk about playbooks. Uh, yep. I think we talked, I sent a little bit of stuff to Josh before yeah. we all started, got started, and we have a kind of a smoothed down process. San Francisco Bro Sightseeing was written as a one-shot intro for people when we were doing the Kickstarter, and we wanted it to be quick. I ran them for about three hours. It's on the second-to-last page on the PDF. It's backstory stuff. So I think you guys have some ideas about playbooks that you guys want to run. So if you want to yeah, we do. let me know what you guys were thinking, we can go from there.
2: Sure. Glenn, why don't you start? Flipping to the back of this guide, I just found two new playbooks. I didn't know there were there before. <laughs> <I> oh,
3: <know laughs> well, Yeah. Our, uh, our Worst Generation has ten, 10 playbooks, and we had three more that came that we did before that in uh, what we call the War Book, because it's the Witch, the Ace, and the Ronin. We're very clever. I like it.
2: I think I'm going to stick with my, my original choice based on what I had perused before, and I'm going to go with the Janus. Oh, cool. Okay. It's a good one. Excellent.
3: The Janus, for those who aren't familiar with masks, that's the Spider-Man, Ant-Man kind of playbook. You have a... Secondary life, which we probably won't really touch on too much during the one shot, obviously it's truncated.
1: Cool. I'll, I'll go next. So I am going with the legacy, and I also I want to put a little bit of a twist on it called reluctant legacy. At that, and when we get into kind of background and everything like that, yeah, absolutely, will, uh, I'll, I'll dive into that. But uh, but yeah, that's the playbook that I'm going to be using today. So like like family lineage of superheroism runs in the blood, sort of thing. So.
3: Yeah, that's the there's the protege which is like the rob into the Batman, whereas the legacy is like the Nightwing and the yeah. Bat family. You're not ready to be Batman, but you're the next in line to be the Batman. Yeah. It's one of my favorite playbooks. We've cool. had a legacy yeah, in every I- single fan-fram I- game yeah. that I ran. Excellent.
0: Right, so, so Josh snaked the legacy from me. So <laughs> I actually went with, interesting to say, the protege. And I have, when we get into backstory, I'll go into a lot of it. But my take is I was collateral damage in a battle between my mentor and his arch nemesis very early in his career. And because of what his choices at that time, myself and my family became constantly threatened by his enemies. And so I basically convinced him that he had to train me because he was responsible for the danger that we were in at this point. And uh, Very- so he was not particularly willing to train me, but once he did, he trained me properly because he did accept his responsibility for my situation.
3: Sounds great. And like I said, the protege is the Robin or the I guess, sidekick, you could say. You're as, hero can say support it. is what we prefer to say. Sure.
0: Hero in training.
3: You're being trained to be the next line. So it's really cool when the Core 10 playbooks are really cool in that they run the typical gamut that you'd expect from Teen Titans or, or Young Justice. So it's always good to pair the protégé and the legacy together because of similar drama. And for those who haven't played Power by the Puggles, playbooks are more about the drama than they're, they're not really classes. They're just like little drama bundles that you kind of it's what story do you want to tell more than what role do you want in the part which i really like power by the apocalypse became my favorite kind of system philosophy when i discovered it yeah very cool then we do label assignment you guys have all your playbooks so i'll let you guys do that and we'll go down the rest of the stuff here quickly so you should already have labels and you should be assigning one extra point to whatever label that label that you want. And I have notes as well, but I won't be noting your labels. One, One cool thing about masks is your labels shift. Since you are teenagers, you are at the mercy of adults and villains telling you who you are. There are ways to stop label shifting, which we'll touch on when it comes up. It's called rejecting the influence. But I think that's a really interesting mechanic. It's the first time I've ever seen so dynamic of stat shifting. And I think it really helps the teen angst and drama angle that the game wants to enshrine. So can you go
0: over the labels and what they each mean so we can have a good idea of what we're adding our bonus to?
3: Yeah, absolutely. That's a really good question. So just off the top of my head, danger is how you see yourself as as strong and other people might see you as threatening. Um, Freak is seeing yourself as superpowered. Other people might see you as scary or alien, not quite human. Superior, obviously, is seeing yourself as smarter or more clever than other people. There's two sides to each. There's the positives of how you and other people see you and the negatives, how other people and how you might actually feel about yourself. And on, on the flip side for superior, people might think you're a little arrogant or self-assured, self too self-confident. Savior is obviously you're seeing yourself as the protector. On the flip side, people might see you as... Tr- not troublesome, but meddlesome, self-important, uh, messiah complex, like only you can save people. And mundane is seeing yourself as normal. Um, and on the flip side, people seeing you is somewhat milquetoast, just bland, or humdrum, or, or boring. Okay.
1: All right. And then, so, for the labels, do, do we add our plus one to, like, one, one category, or to one stat within, like, within... Within, the, like, do, so do you, you add it you to the vertical raise, or well, the you horizontal.
3: <laughs> would, you, you would love so they they go on a track from minus two to plus three. So if your savior was minus one and you added a plus one to your savior, it would be a zero.
1: Okay, all right. So it's one of the individual values, not the category as a whole.
3: Correct. Yeah. Cool. Your stat total should be plus three.
1: Okay. All right. So I'm going to add one. So I'm going to take mundane and I'm going to add my plus one to my negative two score. So. Okay. So that'll be a negative one to start. Hopefully so that with all means. Powered by the apocalypse, yeah. Basically, and just to clarify, because we haven't done a powered by the apocalypse build for a long time, so the the dice system is two d six, and then this number would be a modifier onto that. The result of the two d six, and it's like a success system where like everything six and below is a failure, seven to nine is a is a medium success, and a ten to twelve is a high success. Is that kind of the same system? Uh, yeah,
3: I, the way I like to put it is miss hit success. Uh, every Power by the Apocalypse game is unique to itself. I, I've played Power by the Apocalypse games that don't have rolling, which is pretty crazy. It's called Godsend. It's actually a really cool game. You play gods during the ra- during Ragnarok. So you build a world and you get to watch it crumble down. Very cool game, but very different than any Power by the Apocalypse game that I've seen. So on a miss, which is one to six, as you said, your position in the narrative changes. It it goes lower. The GM gets to make a hard move, which is declaring something that happens and it takes effect. And on a seven to nine or a 10 plus, the GM gets to make a soft move, which just moves the narrative or informs the narrative. Seven to nine is you get a little bit of what you want at a cost, or you just get slightly less than what you want. Whereas a 10 plus, you get what you want typically. So if, if you want to scale a cliff face on a miss, you might fall and take and get hurt where the hurt is a hard move on a seven to nine. You might slip down a few, a few feet on the rock face and maybe you get hurt a little bit, but you get to choose generally, do you want a market condition or do you want to slip further? Now there's always some kind of narrative positioning to, to offset the slight success that you get. And then I 10 plus you scale them out. Just typically how it runs.
0: Cool. So okay. just so I can have, just get a handle around the small amount of math here. Um, I want to add the plus one to something within savior. I've got all these columns. I does it matter which of the columns I add that to? And I just don't I'm not grokking uh, So
3: each one's a think think of each label as a track. Okay. So danger danger is its own track. All the labels are, are their own track. So if you right. add plus one, just increase it one on the track.
0: Okay. So I'm only yeah. adding it to the savior. So all of yes. those. So basically that's going to run negative one to plus four.
1: No, it's I'll only one long number long. within that track. It's one number well, within only
3: the plus track. one. So move a negative one to a zero.
1: Or a negative okay. two to a negative one. It's one number within the track.
0: Okay. It, so then my question um, is, what do yeah. each of the numbers do so that I understand which is most advantageous? That's what it's I'm not mo- understanding.
1: It, it's a modifier in your dice roll. So it's a, if you roll a 2d6, it's 2d6 plus or minus whatever number on your track is. So if you're at currently negative one and making, and I'm assuming that there are different, that the tracks apply to different types of rolls. Is that correct?
3: There, yeah. there are basic moves. Let's say you want to directly engage someone that go in and do a little bit of a dust up. You would roll plus danger. So if your danger is at minus 1, you would roll 2d6 minus 1 for that roll.
0: Okay, so if I choose savior and let's say I, but but I guess I don't understand what where a negative like what rolls would apply to the negative 2 versus what rolls would apply to the plus 3. That's what I'm trying to figure out.
2: So, so thing- I think, I think I understand. Yeah. I think I understand. When you're looking at it visually, yeah. There's in each line one number that's shaded differently. Okay. That's yes. your current starting position. Yeah. So like, oh. As okay. Janice, my freak starts okay, that- at minus one. If I choose oh, to put okay. plus one there, I would change it to zero because you're it's going to move along the scale as we play. All of
0: those numbers don't matter. The only number that matters is the shaded number. Correct. That, that's correct. At, at your that's your current value. Okay. Now I understand. Okay. okay. I
2: kicked my ass for about five minutes as we've been talking before I figured it out. So I figured yep. you were in the same boat I was a little bit ago. Yeah,
0: I was trying to figure out then what are all the other numbers for, but now I got it. So if I put my plus one there as a protege, I'm going to be at a plus two.
3: Yes. Uh, that, that is correct. Yeah. the Your zero freak, minus one danger, plus one savior plus two superior, zero mundane. Gotcha. That makes
0: much more sense now that I understand.
3: Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So once once you do your your labels, I'm going to look at – we will start doing backstory questions. So on the San Francisco Pro sightseeing, we have, like I said, a, a smoothed-down list of questions that kind of help you get into the narrative. So the backstory questions are, number one, first most relevant backstory question – of your playbook so if you look at your playbook there's there should be four questions each the last question is always why do you care about the team so whichever one you feel is most important to the story of your character i would say pick that one and write it down and the next question is who among the following sponsors you on the team and why which I'll, I'll fill out those details while you're coming up with your answers number three is how did you become a member of the worst generation? So why are you a troublemaker in the city? Why has the city decided that you are worthy of the title of the worst generation? Maybe you just didn't. Maybe you were approached by the Guardians West and you declined and that set you in their sights. Maybe you were part of a bank heist that you didn't mean to be part of. And now they've labeled you. Whatever you want is the answer. And then number four is why do you care about the team? Which that's just a pretty simple answer most of the time. Most people just say, because they're my friends or they've become my family. So while you do those four, I'll give you a rundown. So there are three powers within San Francisco. There are the Guardians West, which is your standard Avengers conglomerate team of powerful heroes that have all banded together. They have almost like a feudal system where each major hero has a portion of the city and they have a bunch of junior guardians underneath them. So other teen heroes that have glommed onto the Guardian's West name for power, prestige, and politic. And the other adult heroes are still Junior Guardians. They're just not the big, they're not the Iron Man or the Thor. The second is called the Weather Report. They operate a lot of the magic that runs through San Francisco. San Francisco is on a bunch of ley lines, which are magical rivers of energy, which kind of power a lot of the stuff in the city. I like to think of San Francisco as Studio Ghibli meets Hellboy. <laughs> which always gets a laugh because those are such two diametrically opposed feels and i grew up in second edition DD. i think we're all of a similar age where second ed was something that we were all playing i was eight when i started playing DD, but i was really inspired by planescape i think planescape is, is probably one of the coolest settings that DD ever put out so san francisco is almost like sigil however you want to say that name, it has doors leading to other planes of existence, which we'll explore in this in this little one shot. So the weather report kind of deals with all the extra planar critters that come out of the ley lines, very Sailor Moon-esque elementals that feed on emotions and they muck things up for people. But also given the name, the weather report also handles the weather in San Francisco. Bro. So San Francisco bro, is just a nice city to be in. The rain is scheduled, so when the weather report literally comes out, you know exactly what the weather is going to be. There's a cadre of weather-controlling heroes that have banded together to do that. And then the the five warlords, which they're not heroes, they are actually legally sanctioned villains. That's another inspiration from One Piece with the seven warlords of the sea. They're basically just a superhero mafia. They run all the crime. And the city lets them do it because the idea is if you have legal crime, then Illegal crime will get punched down because they don't want another shark in the pool. They're the sharks. Those are the three powers. They are in like a land gridlock of control over the city. Obviously, the Guardians West thwarts anything that's not kosher that the warlords are doing. And they are. They're villains. They're superhero villains. So they're obviously wheeling and dealing in the shadows and, and breaking their legal trust. And the weather report mostly stays out of it. Hard to be unhappy with a group of people who control the weather and make sure every day is 75 degrees and sunny all the time. <laughs> Actually, um, so pretty popular. In each, there's a name on each one of those. There's two names. So I'll give you a little bit of information on those. So like I said, the Guardians West is like the Avengers. They actually have what are called directors. Um, Lightbringer is the oldest. She is, I would say, authoritarian in her control. She's the oldest member of the directors for the Guardians West. As you'd expect, light control powers are her deal. Sun Wukong, obviously named after the Monkey King. He's the newest. He is a tech giant he makes a lot of weapons and powered suits a lot of money basically like blackwell or any of the paramilitary companies kind of gone big the weather report has four courts each one for the seasons chin the chickadee runs the summer court He's also a paramilitary guy, samurai styling, dual wielding katanas. And then there's Land the Finch. She has weather control powers. She's from the Weather Court. Jin's pretty hardline when it comes to the Worst Generation, whereas Land's much more permissive she likes the trouble that the worst generation stirs up so she's always behind them and each one of the two kind of has that light bringer obviously is, is pretty opposed to the worst generation whereas sun wukong is yeah absolutely chaos sells more weapons so of course i'm okay with that and then the warlords are all named after D classes so there's the rogue the warrior the bard the sorcerer so in the <laughs> in this playtest, the rogue is the more permissive member of the team all all the warlords like the worst generation because you know they cause chaos and kind of destabilize the, the two goody sides. And the warrior is the founder of the warlords, old battle-hardened, the former Punisher figure. He was a hero at one point, and then the city kind of turned against his more violent methods of putting down crime. So he just said, if you're gonna act like I'm a villain, I'm just gonna be a villain. And the city kind of was like, yeah, of course, we want you to be hardline on villains. They're blowing up the city every week. There was a lot of support within the community when the Warlords were created around the Bronze Age. And the Rogue is like his protege of sorts. But as you'd expect the name the Rogue, they're very true to their their naming. The Rogue is Espionage, kind of like a villainous kind of character. And she has her own team of teen villains. We call them the, the Teen Hurt Squad in our game because they're all just like mean girls, like the movie, always good antagonists. Do you have any questions for me from all of that?
0: No. That's... A lot of information. I, yeah, I like the setup. Yeah.
3: Yeah, we wanted to do something different. In basic, by-the-book masks, there's Aegis, which is S.H.I.E.L.D. We didn't know if we were actually allowed to print Aegis, so it doesn't actually show up by name in the book. We actually could under certain circumstances, but we just, by the time Mm -hmm. that we knew that, the book had already been completely written. Okay. do you want to have your answers, then yeah. uh, Yeah. Let's give me your superhero name. I actually... One of, the, one of the core things about Power by the Apocalypse games is that you don't refer to the players, you refer to the characters. So if you want to give me your superhero names, I will be calling you sure. those from here on.
1: My superhero name is The Old Brain. So the Old Brain moniker has passed through my family for many generations. It is one of those things that when the current holder of the mantle of the Old Brain dies or passes away somebody else from the bloodline is seemingly randomly picked to be the new old brain and thus I have picked up the moniker and man I didn't want it it was weird my uncle was the old brain which always caused this like strife between like my uncle and my dad it was really weird and everyone expected one of his kids to become the new old brain and then when I became the old brain i it's caused this whole like weird like thing in my family and I didn't really want it that's why I've become one of the worst generations. Is that I like people just expect a lot from me, and I am not, I'm not down with that at all. I don't want any of this, and it's just it just happened, and so now I got to deal with it. But it's oh, it's, it's really yeah, it's it's just, it's not great. It's stressy, it's stressy.
3: And uh, who sponsored you on this makeshift team that's being formed? What that is after everyone's introduced.
1: Sure. So the holder of the title of the old brain has been a member of very numerous superhero teams throughout history. Again, they were very well known. They were throughout uh, all the various holders have been. It was like an automatic that when a new team was put together and the mantle of the old brain switched together, it was put together. Of course, the old brain was going to be on the the new superhero team. There's family money that kind of like influences those decisions, I'm sure. But uh, whoever was assembling the team was like, yeah, of course, we're going to pick the new old brain because there's always an old brain on the team.
3: So, so probably someone in the Guardians West, then either Lightbringer or Wukong.
1: Yeah. Okay. Exactly. And especially his son, actually, specifically, because so I'm also, I have like this like tech angle to me, also. I was, I thought I was going to be a computer programmer when I grew up. That's what I was in college when my uncle died and figured that I'd probably be working for for his company. And then when I picked this up, okay, now I got to do something else now. And probably he knew of me and, and picked me. So
3: cool. What are your powers?
1: They are largely like, like, mental kind of psionic powers, so I can like uh, I can read thoughts and I can go ahead and influence things with my mind.
3: Okay, cool.
1: That's very much like the old brain has always been able to do that. They've always been the Professor X kind of psionic powers.
3: Very cool. Who wants to go next? I think that's all the information that I need. I guess I can go. I am
0: Tristan Gray, known by my superhero moniker, The Knight. I am a protege. My mentor is The Templar. And uh, essentially, I met my mentor because he was having a battle with his arch nemesis, Elden Rage. And there's a lot of collateral damage, and it brought down my apartment building in which my family made a home. The destruction left me paralyzed and cost me my, my right arm. I was very young at the time, barely 11 years old, and I was totally devastated by the injury.
3: Did you say Elvin Elven Rage? E-L-V-E-N? Elden. Elden Rage. Yeah, E-L-D-O-N. Awesome. All right. And who do you think signed you up for this new team? I would assume other, my mentor. Other than, your, other than your mentor.
0: Yeah. I would say it would be one of the one of the bad guy group. Okay. Mo- mostly because my, uh, my my mentor is on the darker side of things. He's not all the way. I don't think he would be a member of that organization. He was very reluctant to train me. Basically, I was, it was six months after the accident. I was kidnapped by his enemies as they were trying to get his tack. was able to rescue me and save me. But they had told me why they kidnapped me because they wanted his tack. And so I basically confronted him and said, you have to train me. And so my parents couldn't afford to help me. So this foundation magically came up with the money to do this experimental procedure, which gave me back the use of my body and gave me a permanent prosthetic that's very lifelike, but has its own powers and stuff. But right. essentially that was his tech that he gave me. So I told him, you have to train me to use this stuff so I can defend myself and my family. He not only trained me, but he gave us false identities and basically moved us to this new city so that we could, be, the family could be safe.
3: Makes sense. And uh, what would you say your powers are? I
0: have, down. hang on, I share with my mentor, impossible fighting skills and uh, I have weapons and gadgets, which is basically my arm, which includes a weapon of last resort. So I have this thing where I can basically use it to throw off this huge blast, but it drains my powers. And so I'm very limited after using something like that. Sure. Cool. Basic, basically, um, basically I'm, I'm mostly mundane, but I have really good fighting skills. And I have this arm, which is strong and can do some cool bionic gadget ethos type things.
3: Cool. All right, that sounds good, and I think we have one more person left.
2: Yep, so I will be playing superhero named Bolt, real name Jacob Walters, an 18-year-old high school senior who doesn't have any idea where his powers came from. They just came to him about a year ago, caused a whole lot of turmoil and strife, just trying to figure it out, figure out what the hell was going on, but wound up trying to take up the superhero mantle on their own kick ass style with a wetsuit and some kind of pullover mask and did exactly that got their ass kicked i haven't gotten my powers yet but that's going to lead me to it because i wound up tangling with the agents of the rogue and that's how i wound up getting sponsored onto the team was to get me out of trouble off the street and out of her hair and instead doing something else
3: very cool her her, uh, maybe her uh, villain squad they're called the constellations.
2: Fair enough. So I ran afoul of the constellations, mucked up one of their jobs, Sounds but good. did it well enough and spectacularly enough that it attracted her attention and got me the sponsorship. It's also cool. how I wound up those early days as part of the worst generation because I caused a lot of collateral damage while I was learning to control my powers, which are, aside from the Janus's heightened strength, agility, and toughness, and possible mobility which is really just a, I don't have to move at all. I can levitate and float forward or backwards up, down, what have you. So a weird form of flight. And energy absorption, where any energy that I absorb, I shoot back in bolts of energy. Very cool. And I can deliberately try to absorb energy from, say, oh, the power grid if I have to.
3: Makes sense. Very cool. And why do you three care about each other?
2: I'm not sure I do care about them yet. But going it on my own almost got me killed. Yeah.
1: Like I'm on the outs with my family. So like you guys are the only stable thing in my life right now.
2: And for me,
0: it is because I'm a true believer in the idea of protecting the
1: innocent, something my mentor
0: is not necessarily that keen on. Like I believe that my job is not just to beat the bad guy, but it's to protect the people from the beating of the bad guy. And I realize I can't be everywhere at once. So I can't do this thing solo. So if I'm with a team and there's others who are beating the bad guy, then perhaps I can be the one to save the innocent or vice versa. There's always a way to help the people who are in the wake of what supers are doing and what the masks are doing. And that's what I'm all about. And now that I'm with this team, my idea is... I'm going to make sure that team keeps that core to its vision. And that's my drive. And so that's why I care about the team. It is less about the individuals in the early stages, but it is more, I can't accomplish my mission alone. I have to have them. So that forces me or requires me or allows me to care about them. Because if I get that, keep them with me and we all collectively get better then I'm better able to complete my
3: mission. Very cool. So the next thing, and really the last thing, is relationships and influence. Uh, influence is pretty easy. Influence means that you care about what everyone thinks about you. If you roll against someone that has influence over you, you get an extra plus one to your roll. So if the knight... Rolled to directly engage the brain, which I'm just going to call you brain, you would get plus one on that role on top of your danger and vice versa. anyone who has influence over you, they get plus one to the role that only pertains to GMs don't roll in masks or most part by the apocalypse games. And we'll talk about what influence means for NPCs on you guys when we get to it, which you guys just exchange influence. All three of you have influence over each other and they all have influence over you makes things easier to sorting that stuff out. And then everyone gets to pick one relationship question and you get to pick which player that falls on and there is a list of quick ones each playbook has their own but because it's a one-shot we just have a generic list so once you have picked that declare who it is if anyone feels they think they slot in for any of the three characters you can propose yourself for those glenn what's your
0: character's name again bolt i think I'm going to go with my mentor is very cautious and asked me to keep an eye on you because of some of your early destruction.
2: Yep. Nice. You might have to save the innocent from the things that I ran down on them heard. Yep. Appropriate. (laughs) Yep. i would
1: say that that the brain definitely got caught doing something that shames my legacy with the night because of my reluctance and your insistence on saving innocence like you you may not you may not have much tolerance for my sort of like the fact that i the fact that i have the mantle and I don't like wearing it is probably something that runs afoul of you
0: so for me, I would respond to that is the you and the brain, my, you being me, myself, we teamed up a few times, mostly because you were reluctant to help, and I basically cajoled you into doing so.
1: Yeah. Bribed me, cajoled. any various. Got me drunk and threw me in a trunk.
3: So that, I think, is character creation. Usually there's a when the team came together, but the team's coming together because there are other powers in the city other than the three pillars. Minor powers, obviously individual hero groups exist, but there's a fourth kind of group that has been formed in the center of the three pillars. They're called the Monsoon. They are the police force. They make sure that everybody plays nice between the three pillars
2: how would you feel about the old brain and I knowing each other before we put on our masks
1: totally yeah absolutely both roughly the same age like we maybe we went to the same school and so like when both of us became soups it's like okay how well do you think we knew each other
2: I don't think we were fast friends or anything maybe different schools. And we met at some form of, whether it was athletics, an athletic event, or some other school, inter-school thing, whether it was through, I don't know, what is the old brain? So he
1: is, he was always like a smart kid. Before he was a soup, he was a smart kid. And okay, also a smart kid. Yep, so maybe, and he's, he's huge into like technology, like he, again, he like he thought he was going to go into like programming or stuff like that, so. Like robotics, like club robotics club competitions. Robotics club, exactly what I was going to say, exactly. So maybe different schools rival robotics clubs.
2: Fair enough. I like it. All right. All right.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, now that we're done with character generation, Kyle, I think we're ready to get started. I've at it.
3: So as we were kind of talking about, you guys are going to be part of the Monsoon's kind of task force. So all three of you are brought to the Monsoon. It's this big towering Pacific complex in the center of San Sopro. It's the tallest building. You're not told why initially, but once you guys get settled in, you see there's a whiteboard and papers all strewn out, and in steps Cinder Snap. You all three know her. She's your liaison with Monsoon. You are yourselves not part of the Monsoon. You're Monsoon Jason. So she's your handler. She was a former member of the worst generation, like an idol, and but she's now, I guess you could say, gone native. Fiery red hair, as you'd expect. Business suit. Very Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. looking lady. She greets you all, good morning, and she just starts rolling in with the information. So, you guys have all been brought together, two of you from the Warlords and one of you from the Guardians. You are in a kind of a clandestine mission. It turns out that another faction has been rising in the city. They're not quite certain what the goal is, but it seems to connect with all three of this organizations. The leader is called Tenebros. He's a necromancer. And all we really know is he's messing with the Ley Lines and trying to access some kind of plane beyond the physical boundary, which that's a no-go. So you've all three been called in to handle that. They have two names for you to investigate. The first is the Possessor. They have sourced him in the Sleeping Giant Reserve. It's this large sort of natural redwood forest that sits on the north edge of town. They have reports that he's been seen there in the forest, messing around with the ley lines that are native there. And the next is Snowfox. She is a junior guardian, and she seems to be selling out information from the guardians to Tenebros. So if there's any questions before we get rolling, we will decide which of the traders that you want to go and take down first.
1: Okay, so what do you need us to do? We need to investigate, but are we like taking them out or are we like bringing information back to you or I don't know, like what's my motivation here?
3: So, on the possessor, you need to find out what they're doing inside the Sleeping Giant Reserve, and take them out if it's anything dangerous, and ascertain what they're doing, and if it's bad, take them out. If it's not, obviously report back to us so we can step in and do whatever we need to do. There's a cadre of superheroes that live in the Sleeping Giant Reserve, a druidy kind of conclave off the grid. Not a lot of technology in the sleeping giant reserves or granola crunchers. And they've said that he's taking up a fuss there. With Snowfox. find out what she's been telling people. And obviously, put her under arrest. We have enough evidence to, to book her and put her in super prison. And you can find her in the River District. There's a lot That's of civilians there's not, you in think- the River District, so don't go too crazy with your powers. Obviously, if you don't have to fight her, don't fight her. She'll probably be with some of her friends and other junior guardians. They may actually Cause you some problems because they don't know she's a traitor. We haven't really been able to disclose this. Obviously, this is all very hush. So you're on your own when it comes to her.
2: And we think both of these are related to this new faction.
3: We have confirmation that not- there that Snowfox is selling information to to Tenebros, and the possessor has broken from the from the warlords and is working with Tenebros for whatever their whatever their goal is.
0: It makes most sense to take Snowfox first. We'll probably be able to get some more information that'll give us a better idea of what's going on with the Possessor, since she's the one giving the Possessor information.
3: Okay. Okay.
0: Everyone agree?
1: Sure. That's fine.
0: Brain. Seriously.
1: Fine. I said fine. Whatever.
0: The Water District has got people, and we've got to do right by them. If she's doing something that could end up being dangerous for them and we have the information to get to, to bring her in, we need to bring her in.
1: Alright, that's sure. Cool. I got you. I got you back. I'm good. Excellent. Bolt, can you like
0: charge him up a little bit? Give him some caffeine.
2: You realize that part of his name is old. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Old doesn't mean dead. The Templar's old. Oh, uh, I know, life's all about and choices.
2: Life's all about choices. I have a chemistry test tomorrow, but I'm here.
3: Can I trust all three of you to do this job without fighting each other at the same time? Cinder Snap asks. Yeah,
2: no, we're good.
1: We're good. We're good. We never fight. Any problems
3: me... that we have to work through before, before you get going? Time is of the essence here. Oh, no, so we in. didn't
1: realize it was, like, important. Oh, oh, if it's important. Yeah, no, we're good. So
3: the, the city's at stake. This yeah. is important. Yeah, because okay. so this is why we called if, you. We wouldn't have called yeah, you. Well, it's I mean, just something we could send to yeah, someone well. else to handle.
1: Cool. That's cool. Make, just we're good. We
3: want to make sure that the clandestine group of superheroes that I have on this secret mission isn't going to explode out in Cousin and any Blowback.
1: No, I have, we've never done that before. Never. Why, why but, would we? No. Why
0: would
3: we start now? A- 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 excellent. You Get can for- move out.
0: The important thing to remember is, blowback was a bad incident, and honestly, never going to have that problem again. We worked it out.
1: Are we talking about we're that? I thought we were talking anymore. about that. I thought- are we talking about that? I didn't-
0: We're not talking about that. Okay. It's a one-time thing. I'll steal the file.
1: Excellent.
3: Yeah. So, uh, Control delete is really the best way to think about that <laughs> No, this is an organization with bureaucracy, you know how bureaucracy works. It'll be in some file for a hundred years. We can't delete files. So yeah. Nice. Uh, see a couple panel changes showing the three of you get to the river district. Uh, the river district is the southern border of the city proper. A lot of open-air markets. It is on the Pepper River, very large river. They're actually houseboats. This is where a lot of the Vietnamese came during. The Vietnam War, when the city opened their door to refugees, they all moved here, so they brought a lot of their culture along with them. So open-air markets, like you'd see on the Mekong, have propped up over the last 40-50 years. And now it's like a cultural hotspot. A lot of teens come here on the boardwalk at night, obviously a lot of night vendors, a lot of cheap food. So it's, a, it's almost like a festival feel every day. On the riverfront, there's houses and other things, it's a city, but for the exact of the river pretty, pretty active. The warrior's barge, he lives on a houseboat, sits in the river. You can see it as like a, it's always there, but most people obviously are smart enough to leave it alone. You don't go to a a mob boss's house and cause trouble. So similar concept. And that's where we find you guys as you get off the rail system to the river district. You don't spot, snow font. They did give you pictures. Obviously you guys have a dossier on what these people look like. You Not know, just going in blind. All the relevant information, powers and, and all of that stuff. Snow Fox, as the name implies, she has net powers and she's fairly popular within the junior garden. She's kind of a leading light, so it's almost a little strange that she has flipped. But flipped she has. The the market is open to all of you. How do you guys think you would approach finding this person in the first place?
2: First I would have, first I have a question. Yes. In the city of San Sapporo, as we are Moving through the city, are we moving through the city as three masked superheroes? And is that accepted? Do the masks are oh. openly enough that we're riding the subway as Bolt and the Knight and the Old yeah, Brain?
3: Ev- ev- everyone in the city is with three big power. The, the weather report being literally like an institution. People are used to and people are used to seeing people in weird costumes. Yeah, no, no one looks at you. Maybe they look at you weirdly because they know that you guys are part of the worst generation, but other than that, maybe people on the, the tram line shuffle away because who knows what these kids are going to do. But no, no one's – what's this weird person with a cape doing on the tram? Um, no capes. No Yeah, <laughs> no one's – no no one seems to have a problem with that. That's a good question, but Yeah. Nice. So it depends on, certainly depends on the, you know, the superhero setting, but where where it's more normalized. But yeah, with the tram lines themselves run by the ley lines, so there's literally magical San Francisco-style trams running through the city, trolleys running through the city. So people in spandex, probably not the weirdest thing most people have seen every
1: single day. <laughs> <laughs> so I would like to start by assessing the situation, start right off to go ahead and see if i can figure out and the question that i want to ask is i want to see who how could we best end this quickly so i want to try to get information on do i see like someone who who i know or someone that has been previously affiliated in any way with kind of the superhero organization or specifically snow fox if anything i can find anything like that so i'm going to try to get a read on the situation specifically about how quickly we can get through this
3: Okay, yeah, give it a roll. It's 2d6 plus superior. That'll be an 8. You get to ask your question, and you get a plus 1. So you're asking, how can we best end this quickly? Yes. Uh, Obviously, the answer, I feel like it's a little cheap to just say, obviously, finding Snowfog will end hard quickly. You have the picture of her. There are other superheroes, obviously, walking around in the area. Maybe asking them would get you an answer to that. She's, like I said, she's like an icon. Most of the younger people your guys' age probably are aware of her comings and goings. If she's in the area, so you could ask you could just ask the civilian. Does that give you something to (coughs) jump off on? For sure,
1: yeah. How well known is it that Star Fox seems to have gone rogue? Or is that very much like nobody
3: only the three of you and the uh, uh, whoever you guys work for. No no one in the public knows. They haven't revealed this. Cool. You don't want you don't want your the informant to to flee the city.
1: No, fair. Totally, yeah. Okay, so then you said that there are other superheroes walking around. Do I recognize any of them? Are any of them I, again? I'm not looking for like a list people, but if there's like a solid like C list superhero that like. We know or we're friendly with or something like that, I'd like to approach them.
3: Sure. One of you recognize a couple of them. They're definitely not A-listers, they're around your guys' age, probably closer to yeah. Sinnersnap's Snap's age, mid twenties. Right. One, one of their name their name is Zodiac. You actually know this brain. They're the son of Sun Oh, okay. they're part of they're part of the Monkey King's legacy.
1: Cool. All right, yeah, then I'll approach Zodiac and I'll like, like, hey, Zodiac, brain, remember we met at The Thing? I was interviewing with your dad for a while, and, but I fell through. How you doing?
3: They turn to you, they're like at a street stall with a couple other heroes. They go, oh, yeah, you were at Monkey Island a couple months back. Do you recognize yeah. you? I'm doing, I'm doing fine. Is there something I can help you and you're friends with? Yeah, we
1: heard that we were looking for Snow, for Snow Fox, actually. We heard that she was down here, but we're not really sure it we'll come down here very often. Like, where would we find her?
3: Yeah, I think she's in in the area. This is her beat for the Guardians. If you give me a minute, I can make a couple phone calls. If you just let me step in no, the shop. That, and, and, and yeah, car, no, totally no, that'd and, be great. Is it pressing? What? How much time do you No, you need to No, no, oh.
1: well, nothing like critical. It's more just, like, we were looking to... Knight, it was your guy that said. It, it, it was Templar that said that he needed something from her, right? I don't. How what was his, it? Do you remember? How old,
2: how old is snow, How old is Snowfall? Eighteen, nineteen. Okay. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, your guy. Mike wants guy to, to ask today. her out. Oh, sure.
3: oh. Okay. Yeah. Let me just step in, and we'll uh, we'll finish up our shop in here real quick, and then yeah, I'll help you guys out. Yeah. I know people who yeah could probably yeah. ask her out. That'd be great. He like yeah. leads over to his friends, who are like I said, also in their costumes. They spread out into the crowd, and the Zodiac steps steps away. It's a couple minutes that go by, but you hear increasingly loud engines on the river, and you guys are all natives to the city, so you guys know not allowed to, ski are not allowed on the river, there's at least this close in, into the inner city. Noise ordinances and not disrupting the marketplaces. And you see a couple ski zipping around on the waterfront, and each of them is operated by someone in a face mask, and they all have weapons, uh, which is a little strange. So it's pretty clear that these people are up to no good. This is going to go badly.
2: Yeah, I've said that too, huh? There's a bunch of heroes here. That's not our mission.
0: They have weapons. Innocents can be harmed. It's our mission. All right. If they move to act, we move to intercept.
3: Oh, yeah, uh, they've moved to act. the People are boarding other boats on the river by this point. Okay. We're jumping off skidoos and very actively, aggressively acting toward boat operators and, and taking stuff and sipping off. It's a robbery.
0: In that case, going to I'm gonna move kind of towards them, but kind of not try to make myself be noticed or seen, uh, so I can get as close to them as possible. So as when it's time to act, I can just jump in and, and go for their leader first. So you jump in the, the river?
3: Oh no, they're oh they're on boats out. out yeah, the river. River. Wow. on the river. They're on skidoos, sipping around
0: on the river, you're taking people off boats, taking stuff off boats. Okay, so we got to find a way to get to the boats.
2: You need a ride? Yes. How about you, Brian? Yeah. Yeah, that'd be cool. So I'll grab both of them by, I don't know, the belt. Levitate them up and out and drop them on a boat full of bad guys.
3: Is this something that you typically do?
2: So that's an interesting question. As I would assume as the only person who has flight mm-hmm. with enough strength to do so because it says that I am still augmentedly strong. In a situation where it's the only way to get them to where they need to go, I would assume that it's something that we would have normally, we would normally do. Okay. Pass this way to the top of the building, across the chasm.
3: Okay, yeah, so in Power by the Apocalypse, the reason I'm asking is, if it's something that you normally do, if, if you're not under fire or straining yourself, you don't take a roll. So I was just asking to make sure that you didn't have to roll and unleash
2: your power. They may even have these handles built into the back of their costumes right. by their belts. Like a, char-
3: like a character, and you can just like click, your, click yourselves in and fly off. So yeah, you guys land on the boats, the robbers obviously notice notice you, and it, there there's several boats being taken over by these robbers. There's, there's a gang. They round on you and open fire. They have guns.
2: All right. I uh, dropped them from probably ten feet up or so, into okay. that
1: land. Yeah, and like, how far away They'll from them me. did you I'm drop us? Yeah, it. and they're all like on like on like skidoo's, right? So it's not like there's one guy on a skidoo.
3: Some of them are there. on boats. Yeah, some of them okay. are. You know, there's a robbery in progress, so they're they're, you know, they're spread out between several boats, and there are still some that are, yeah, is, sipping is around. Is there any
2: way to determine which boat appears to be the central target? Because if so, that's where I would fly them in. Yeah,
3: that's a good question. That's, uh, there's that's like, the a, like a large passenger boat, like a tor- like a tourist boat, something that can seat maybe a hundred people. Uh, that seems to be the, the prime target. There's enough people there that they're obviously running down the aisles, just snatching purses. These are not superhero villains. These are just street thugs that have shown up. It happens. This is a city. There's crime.
2: There's no. They're robbing. They're robbing the sightseeing boat. That's not cool. Yeah. All right. Cool.
1: Yeah. So I guess Knight. It, go ahead. You just dropped us yeah. down. So start.
0: If he drops us down, I am immediately going to go after the go after the leader. Basically dodging any bullet fire, but I'm gonna try to take him out with I've got a scream stick and my my arm. So I'll be. Blocking
3: with my arm and attacking. Sure, that sounds like a directly engage. So that's two d six plus danger. All right. I
0: rolled okay. a six and a that one. Be, yeah. uh,
3: okay. Minus the one, it was a six. <laughs> so you rolled, you rolled a miss. So yes. mark a condition as you're under fire. That doesn't necessarily mean you've been riddled full of holes, but nor- normally in masks, the GM tells you what condition to mark. But I generally let players decide what condition they want to mark because. It's your emotions, it's how your character is feeling in the situation. I feel that's more appropriate. You can mark angry, guilty, hopeless, insecure, or afraid. All right, so I'm gonna say
0: insecure. Because I I expect to be successful whenever I do anything, so the fact that I bugs me.
3: So, yeah, you you were not successful. They just lay enough suppression fire that that you cannot make any... If you were to try to get closer, they would actually probably hit you with bullets and that's, no, that's no so they they have knight pinned down on the boat yep. okay and a bunch of civilians because you know it's a big boat and they haven't rounded up all the civilians in one area so there are civilians that are also under fire
1: Okay, so I would like to try to defend some of the civilians. Uh, that seems to be why we're here, Knight, we're defending the Inner sense and everything like that. And I have shadow control powers. I would like to try to kind of herd them into one area and make it diff- more difficult to go ahead and like spot them and see them and everything like that to try to obscure them a little bit by using those powers. Would that be, power? yeah. be a defend roll on that? or That would
3: be a defend roll because you're actively trying to people who are under direct fire and it would also probably fit for the night as well
1: yeah um, okay all right cool so that's a plus two so let's see well, it's a good thing i got the plus two because
3: that's an eight so on an eight you can choose to escalate the situation or expose yourself to danger and you get a choice from the list you can either um add a team to the pool team Whenever, which you have a team in the pool right now, you always have one unless noted. You can spend a team from the pool to increase any role by one. It's there to show that you are actively working together. If you had wanted to, which obviously you guys didn't know, which should have said, you could have bumped Knight's role from a six to a seven. Yep, the team. that's right. You can take influence over someone. So in this case, you'd be taking influence over Knight, and that would mean you'd get influence over them. And if you already have influence over someone, you shift their labels, or you can clear a condition, which you can't do because you have a
1: condition. I can't do because oh, uh, but I, so I can't clear like Knight's condition. I can only clear one of on my own. No,
3: you can only clear one of on your own.
1: Cool. There's another. Right, there's um, another
3: move for clearing other people's conditions. Called, yeah, I'm
1: gonna I'm gonna escalate the situation, but I'll also add one team to the pool because I have a feeling right. like that's gonna be necessary.
3: Yes, absolutely. And team goes back to number. One. Goes back to one when the scene changes. Then I'll let you guys know. And then it goes back. Uh, and Bolt So obviously escalating the situation. Now you've now you've attracted their attention. Now they they clearly know that you guys are all coordinated and you know what you guys are doing. You have yourself under fire. So I will have you marked condition as well.
1: Oh, okay. I will mark.
2: Wait, that was both or Brian?
1: Oh, sorry. Oh, uh, that was Brian. Right. okay. I will... I'll mark angry, because, like, I, we were just here to go ahead and find Star Fox, and now we've gotten ourselves into this mess, so I'm angry.
2: Her name is Snow Fox, Brain. Aren't you supposed to be smart?
1: Do I keep calling her Star Fox?
3: You do. But that's okay. <laughs> I you will do. never... That's... Who, what Star way? Fox,
1: Snow <laughs> Fox, whoever, whatever. doesn't matter. Like, whatever friggin' name is. I don't know.
3: Whatever. And what are you doing? As this all goes, pear-shaped.
2: So... I've dropped my two compatriots. One of them's attempting to defend the civilians, the other one was attempting to engage in failed. How many shooters are on this boat, and are they near each other?
3: We'll say there's four, and yeah, they're all the, the front of the boat. Yeah, you, and you can see the, the shadows in on the boat as Brain uses their powers to cloak the civilians and, and Knight. And I imagine you're, like, drawing the... Sh- Sorry, I should have let you emote what you were doing, but we'll say maybe you're, like, drawing the shadows away from the enemies to cover the civilians.
1: Yeah, exactly. I'm trying to obscure them so that they can't get picked off by these shooters here. And if that has the added effect of making it sunnier where the gunner where the gunners are so that, yeah. so that kind of thing like i'm trying to like bend light so light is it's lighter over where they are and darker where the people that we don't want shot are
3: yeah so yeah you can see the enemies quickly especially now that the shadow control is happening you know it's it's like a large pontoon boat it's open there's a roof but it's open enough that there's no like windows it's all just sticks holding up the or poles holding up the roof. So it's very easy to jump in and jump out. Obviously, your friends went through the roof. So there's two large holes in the roof.
2: (laughs) Excellent. Bolt hovering there above his two friends. If anybody's looking at him, it looks a little bit odd because he's hovering upright in the air as though he's standing on nothing, but he shifts his feet as though he's setting them for stability. And He's got this look of concentration on his face as he clasps both hands together and extends them. And it's hoping that it works out as he unleashes his powers by throwing a bolt of energy, electricity likely, from either static or... Like or us take out a couple of the shooters? Correct. Trying to line up as many of them as possible in this energy blast.
3: Oh, that, that's still a directly engaged? Unleashing your powers is like when you're trying to shape the environment or use your powers in a way that you're not used to. So if you're attacking someone, that's directly engaged. So that's 2d6 plus danger.
2: 2d6 plus danger, and danger. my danger is zero.
3: Before you do that, we didn't talk about moves, which is my bad. You do have mask as, a, as mm. your move. Totally forgot about that. So pick two moves each as, as appropriate on your playbooks. My, my bad. My suggestion for a one-shot for you, Bolt, would be game face, okay. especially in this situation, if you want to read that. And you guys mm-hmm. don't have to tell me which ones you pick until you use them. We should have done that during character creation, but I totally forgot i actually selected mine so they just didn't come up with oh, this
2: particular nope, I dig it. game face is good
3: yeah game, game face is definitely one
2: of their one of their better moves well i'll choose this uh, and we read through it but game face for now will apply then and i yeah. will commit myself to defeating these enemies marking yeah i want to make sure here. you did that before you before you roll that way i do get a plus one yeah Marking a
3: condition. of... Uh... I don't know which ones you took, but Captain would be really good in this case. When you face a dangerous enemy, which you will as the end boss. You get to add one plus one if you're I actually took
0: more investigative stuff. I took Cool. Been reading the file, mindful of the surroundings, and heroic tradition.
3: Oh cool. You had a ten there, Bolt, I saw. Do um, so you get two choices on your directly engage.
2: Two choices on directly engage.
3: So you can resist avoid their blows, which means if you take that when you don't mark a condition, you always mark a condition or take a powerful blow when you directly engage unless you choose that option. And then you can take something from them, so you can take their guns. I've seen you can even be more esoteric with it where you take their footing or take their high ground or, or things like that.
2: Um, you, right, impress, I'm, uh...
3: or you could uh, impress, frighten, surprise them. I get to decide at the gym how they react, so I get to choose of those three which ones, but you get to choose that as just an option, or you can create an opportunity for your teammates. So if I would, I, I would have to make a soft move in light of how you're changing the fiction, or you just add a team to the pool if nothing is appropriate. Where in this case, that's probably not really the case. There's probably stuff that you can do to alter the narrative
2: so i'm not really used to fighting on a team yet so a little bit of my tactics aside from getting them from point a to point b still a little self-serving so attack and defense i'm going to resist or avoid their blows Totally and then I get to choose two, you said, right?
3: Yes, on a 10 plus you get to choose two.
2: But because I'm learning to work on a team, I am going to create an opportunity for my allies.
3: Sure. And how do you think that looks as you're raining energy bolts down on these unfortunate, unfortunate goons?
2: I think that my energy bolts fully distract them. Maybe take somebody completely off their feet. I'll let you decide on that part. But in the course of that sure. distraction, the knight is no longer pent down.
3: Sure, yeah, I'll, I'll take that. Yes, I'll, I'll say one of them just gets, one of the goons, there, there were four, so there are three on the boat now, and obviously this is a, a distraction, so they turn their attention to you and start laying suppression fire in the air. The, the other three trying to, obviously you're the most threat, of the three so far so they, they focus their fire on you so their attention is drawn away from the civilians and, who and we will
2: that uh, for night will that give him like a plus one on his next roll against them is no it like just him? it just means mm-hmm. if it just
3: means that he's not under fire it just changes <laughs> on what hard moves that i'm allowed quote unquote to make gotcha yeah, masks and it's a narrativist style of game so it works on positioning and i know a lot of people have a confusion on that term but we probably should come up with a better term because position doesn't mean where you are on the playboard. it means where you are in the narrative and position conforms what you're allowed to do, you can't just say, oh, I take their guns if you're 40 feet away. The positioning doesn't work. It doesn't fit in the narrative. But if you mm-hmm. take their guns, I'm not allowed to go, oh, well, they shoot you with a bullet. They don't have a gun. My The positions between us have changed in the narrative. So yeah, that's what an uh, opportunity is just a way to shift position to your favor or enemies can get opportunities based off of moves as well. So that shifts their the position in their favor. Awesome. But yeah, we'll go to the knight because he is no longer being shot at.
0: Excellent. So. I am going to look quickly. If I'm close enough to the bad guys where I can get to them and interpose myself between them and any innocents so that innocents can be moved out of the way, I would do that. But if not, yeah, sure. I will
3: simply move towards the... Okay. So you're trying to protect the civilians still, or you're trying to go after the bad guys?
0: I'm interested in protecting the civilians, but my, ide- my goal is really to make it more challenging for the bad guys to harm them. That would be a, whether- de- that'd be a defend. Then. Okay. In that case,
3: defend,
0: uh, I get, let's see if I can read this. Let's see. When you defend someone or something, it's a roll plus savior. So 2d6 plus my savior,
3: that's 10. Cool. So yeah, you interpose yourself between the civilians on a 10 plus it just just succeeds. Uh, yep. I'll read the move out just so people at home can know. On a 10 plus you just succeed. It says Defend someone from immediate threat, roll plus savior for NPC threats on a hit, you keep them safe and choose one. So you also get to add a team to the pool, take influence over someone, which this would actually be the civilians, doesn't really net you anything. Or you can clear the condition that you've marked.
0: I'm going to clear my condition.
3: Excellent. And I am
0: keeping track of the conditions as well. Excellent. Yeah, so I'm going to clear the conditions. I'm better able to handle things moving forward.
3: Cool. So yeah, you are now, the civilians have all gotten to the back of the boats at this point. Anyone that was up front obviously hurted by the shadow control, and now you're very clearly interposing yourself between the baddies who are now at the the sole front of the boats. So you are the bulwark there. So we'll we'll go to Brain.
1: Yeah, cool. I am, the knight at this point has the... He's gotten out of the suppressing fire. They're turned themselves to Bolt at this point. So I would like yeah. to use my I Know What I Am move uh, once per scene. You can defend a teammate. You can uh, shift Savior up and everything like that. So I'm going to go ahead and let's...
3: So when you shift Savior, savior up, you have to lower another
1: label. No, lower another one too. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. when you raise a um, label, you always lower it. Yeah. Okay, that's, we'll resolve that in a second, because it's also going to add another yeah. one to the team pool, so that's fine there. But the way that I'm going to defend Bolt is, let's see, so as part of Shadow Powers, I also have mind clouding, so what I would like to do is to try to cloud the minds of the three baddies that are on the boat now shooting at him, and try to confuse them about who they should be firing at, maybe have them start firing at each other, or at least just obscure what it is that they're supposed to be doing.
3: That would be an Unleash. so that's pretty
1: yeah. Cool. And my Freak is currently zero. That's fine. Okay, cool. All right. Ooh, that is an 11.
3: When you roll a 10 plus on unleash, you just get what you If you roll yeah, a 7 perfect. or 9, it's either temporary or unstable, or you have to mark a condition yep. to maintain it.
1: Perfect. Uh, yeah. So yeah um, I, 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 want, to... I want them to stop shooting at him. I want them to, and if they can start shooting at each other, that's even better. But I want them to at least stop shooting at him.
3: They definitely get muddled and turn their weapons on each other, but they don't fire because obviously that would that probably put them in too much danger. They're, they're not wearing bulletproof armor or anything like that. You can see that. So yeah, they definitely start stop firing on Bolt. Yep. They're definitely looking confused. There might be a danger that they might turn their guns on anyone else if they're startled. You know your powers well enough to know that. Sure. Confused people are dangerous. They're unpredictable. So now the, the situation has ended. You can even see some of the other burglars. They've seen that the, the jig is up. There are heroes on the scene. There are even more heroes on, on the shoreline now. So the, the rest yeah. of them have actually raced off down the river. Um, cool. They have ditched, as they say.
1: And I, I upped my save here, and I lowered my mundane from plus one to zero. And I added it. So our team pool, by my account, is up to three now. It so. is up to three.
3: Yeah, and cool. just to be clear, you cannot raise a label higher than plus three, and you cannot lower a label lower than minus two. Okay, uh, sounds good. If you do cool. either of those, the labels don't shift, and you mark a condition. Cool. And the, the max to a roll is plus four, and the max, the, the, the minus is minus three.
1: Uh, three.
3: Otherwise, anything higher or lower would be an auto hit, auto fail. Um, right
0: on. One question that I just realized, if I miss on a move, I get to mark a potential.
3: Is that correct? That's correct. You do get to mark okay. potential on a miss. The game so is failed for any time you roll a miss.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I have one one potential mark. Correct. I if, cool. Yes. I don't know if the other
3: two of you guys noticed that or not. Yep. Yeah. Right. You guys all said you were familiar with Power <laughs> by the Apocalypse. That's yeah. that's one of the yeah. things that I know. It's one of the yeah. one of the one consistent things across. Yeah. Power by the Apocalypse is miss equals. Exactly. Yeah. So
1: I think, when, and just a, a, more for the audience and also for you, when we played the real thing, which is also a PBTA build, instead of potential, that's where they had the memory mechanic. That yes. basically
2: they learned yeah. more about oh, it themselves. A discovery instead of yeah, a discoveries.
1: Attack. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. So it kind of replaced potential with discoveries. And so as Got you learned more about yourself, you leveled up, air quotes, right? So that's kind yeah. of how that's kind of how the mechanic worked. Okay. So now that they've stopped shooting at each other, i would like, all right, Knight, can we like get back to what we're doing now?
0: We have to bring them to justice. Or at least hand These them off are, to the authorities.
1: There's a ton of other soups here. This ain't our gig.
0: I'm gonna call to them to surrender. Try to convince them to lay down, the, lay, lay, lay down their weapons
3: and surrender now, or it gets a lot worse for them. That'd be a provoke. That's plus superior. Now I wanna check what is Bolt doing before we do that?
2: If if. It- would appear that my compatriots are attempting to reason with the insane bad guys who decided to jet ski their way up and start a robbery in, t- in front of an entire dockside district of superheroes then bolt will float off to the side in a flanking position still ready with like little lightning bolts crackling in their eyes ready right. to fire again should they make an aggressive move
3: Alright, so yeah, Knight, we give it a roll, 2d6 plus your superior.
2: Which is plus two.
3: Yep. That's gonna be eight. So, on an eight, you don't necessarily get them to give up, but since they're clearly they just throw their weapons to the ground uh, as they come out of their haze, their allies have all run off uh, with whatever loot that they managed to abscond with, and there's three heroes and they're just dudes with guns. So the pilot who has up to this point has been in with the civilians, goes back to the controls, which had previously been taken over by the villains, and slowly putters you guys back to the dock side. Thank you for
1: joining us. This has been Tabletop Journeys. We would love to hear your feedback on our show today. Join us at www.ttjourneys.com where you can subscribe to the blog to leave comments and see all the content that we publish beyond the podcast.
2: You can also stay in touch by subscribing to our Twitter, at TT Journeys, by joining our Facebook group, Tabletop Journeys, or by sending an email directly to podcast at ttjourneys.com. And remember, if you want early access to all of our episodes, a chance to drop dice with your favorite hosts, and maybe even appear in one of our actual plays, you can join our Patreon to help support the show at patreon.com, forward slash tt journeys if you're listening to us on stitcher
0: itunes Podchaser, spotify or audible we would appreciate it if you would like and subscribe to the podcast on that platform full episodes come out every week on saturdays and every tuesday features our actual play episodes thank you for listening and for being a part of our growing community and in the words of another traveler along our path we bid you shade and sweet water